This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Please join me in the call to worship. Blessed be the Lord God, for God has looked favorably upon his people and redeemed them. God has raised up a mighty Savior for us. By the tender mercy of our God, the dawn from on high will break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. In the name of Christ, who reigns above and in each of our hearts, let us worship God. Knowing that we fall short of Jesus' call to follow him, that we often fail to love God with our whole being or our neighbors as ourselves, let us come before God with open, honest hearts and confess our sin together. Let us pray. God of righteousness, you have crowned Jesus Christ as Lord of all. We confess that we fail to follow him. We are slow to acknowledge Christ's rule. We give allegiance to the powers of this world and fail to be governed by justice and love. In your mercy, forgive us. Give us strength that we may walk in righteousness, proclaiming the love of Christ, trusting in his presence, and living as though he does indeed rule over our hearts. 
the good news. As people born of water and the Spirit, we have died to the old life and a new life has begun. God's grace is poured out upon us day by day. Be thankful and live as one who has been raised to new life. Friends, believe the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ we are forgiven. Thanks be to God. the law asked, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment? Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. This is the first and greatest commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Since we have been reconciled to God in Jesus Christ, let us be agents of that reconciliation in the world. The peace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Please greet one another with a sign of Christ's peace.
A warm welcome to you all on this chilly, dreary day. We're very glad that you are all here. A few announcements to draw to your attention. Uh, Jenny and Rebecca are both away having an early Thanksgiving with their families. Um, they'll be back for next Sunday. The Hood Library Fellowship is having its annual book sale today, so please do come next door following the service. You'll find some extra goodies in addition to the usual cookies and coffee and tea and juice and tables of wonderful books available for bargain prices. Uh, the Christmas angel gifts are all gone. We got rid of all of them at the, um, all the requests at the nine, after the 9 a.m. service. But a reminder for all of you that took them that they are due back by next Sunday, December 1st. You can drop them off with the receptionist before then or bring them with you next Sunday. This afternoon at 3 p.m., the St. Andrew Chorale and Orchestra has a wonderful concert um, and the New York City Children's Chorus, uh, the high school portion of that chorus, is joining them. It's going to be glorious. You want to be here, so please plan to come back for that. Next Sunday, I want to be sure everybody is listening if you haven't already got this implanted in your brains. One service, 1030. Next Sunday, one service at 1030. If you come at 11.15, you have missed most of the service. Afterwards, there will be lunch downstairs for everyone for our Advent Festival with activities to follow. Uh, we just got word between the services that our building manager, Guillermo Catalan's mother, Crescenciana, has died this morning. You've been hearing us pray for her for many years now. Um, they've been preparing for this, but it doesn't take away the shock and the loss. So please keep Guillermo and um, his family in your prayers. Please do um, take note of the other announcements that are coming up in December, and take note of the calendar. And now let us continue to worship God by listening for God's word. Let us pray. Sovereign God, let your word rule in our hearts and your spirit govern our lives until at last we see the fulfillment of your realm of justice and peace. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Our Old Testament lesson is from the prophet Jeremiah, chapter 23, verses 1 through 6. Listen for the word of the Lord. Woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, says the Lord. Therefore, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, concerning the shepherds who shepherd my people. It is you who have scattered my flock and have driven them away, and you have not attended to them. So I will attend to you for your evil doing, says the Lord. Then I myself will gather the remnant of my flock out of all the lands where I have driven them, and I will bring them back to their fold, and they shall be fruitful and multiply. I will raise up shepherds over them who will shepherd them, and they shall not fear any longer or be dismayed, nor shall any be missing, says the Lord. The days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, and he shall reign as king and deal wisely, 
and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved, and Israel will live in safety. And this is the name by which he will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. The word of the Lord. Invite the young people to come join me here at the front. Good morning. I'm so glad that you are all here. All right, I want you to close your eyes for a minute and picture in your mind. What image you get when I say the word king? Now, open your eyes. What do you picture when I say the word king? James? I saw someone sitting on a throne of gold and lights shining. Sitting on a throne of gold with light everywhere. What else do you think of when you hear the word king? A leader. A leader. Charlotte? Someone people come to when they need anything, that would be a really good king, right? So are kings, are kings in this world usually rich? They usually are very, very wealthy, right? Maybe they have a crown that's gold and full of jewels. They sit on a throne. They probably watch over lots of lands and are in charge of nations. They might go into battle to protect their nation. 
Those are the kinds of kings we read about in history and even in fairy tales, right? Is Jesus that kind of king? No, Jesus is a very different kind of king, right? Today is a special Sunday in the church called Christ the King Sunday, when we celebrate Jesus as our king. You know, in the Bible, they use the image of a shepherd for a king. Tell me what a shepherd does. What does a shepherd do? Hmm? He takes care of sheep, right? A shepherd takes care of sheep. How does a shepherd take care of the sheep? James? He makes sure they don't get lost and mm-hmm. they don't get hurt by an animal or something Yep, make sure they don't get lost or stolen or hurt or killed by wild animals. Charlotte, what else does a shepherd do? Protects them, makes sure that they have clean water to drink and enough grass to eat. Yep, James? Guides them, exactly. Leads them around, keeps them together. So a shepherd takes really good care of the sheep. That's more of the kind of King Jesus is, right? That's probably a better image for us as Jesus as King, rather than the kind of kings that we have in this world. Jesus is like a shepherd king, taking care of us, watching over us, never leaving us. Let's pray together. Say after me, and I invite all of the congregation to say with us, Dear God, thank you for giving us Jesus. Thank you for giving us Jesus to be our shepherd king. Be our shepherd king. Help us to be like him. Help us to be like him. Loving and caring for other people. Loving and caring for other people. Amen. Amen. So if you're in second grade or under, you can go out for children's worship with Ms. Hoffman and Ms. Iverson, or you can also go sit with your parents. Our epistle lesson today is from Colossians, chapter 1, verses 11 through 20. Listen for the word of God. May you be made strong with all the strength that comes from his glorious power. And may you be prepared to endure everything with patience while joyfully giving thanks to the Father, who has enabled you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has rescued us from the power of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For in him all things in heaven and on earth were created, things visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or powers. All things have been created through him and for him. He himself is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him... God was pleased to reconcile himself to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, by making peace through the blood of the cross. 
the word of the God, the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. gospel lesson is from the gospel according to Luke chapter 23 verses 33 through 43. Listen for the word of God. When they came to the place that is called the skull, they crucified Jesus there with the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing and they cast lots to divide his clothing. And the people stood by watching, but the leaders scoffed at him, saying he saved others, let him save himself, if he is the Messiah, his God's chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine, and saying, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who were hanged there kept deriding him and saying, Are you not the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed have been condemned justly, for we are getting what we deserve for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He replied, truly, I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. It would be understandable if your thoughts upon hearing today's gospel lesson ran something like, who messed up the scripture readings? It's not Good Friday. It's the end of November. Why are we hearing about the crucifixion? And why do we have a painting of Jesus with the crown of thorns on his head on the bulletin today? The Christmas lights are going up. It's almost Advent. It's that time of year when we should be feeling a warm, cozy glow, not thinking about Jesus' suffering and death. This passage does seem out of place. I confess that when I first looked at the scripture readings for this Sunday, I thought, oh, this will be interesting. But this passage is exactly where it's supposed to be on this Christ the King Sunday as a pointed reminder about just what kind of king Christ is. A bit of history about this Sunday before we go further. Most of the liturgical year, the seasons of Lent and Advent, Christmas and Easter, developed over the first few centuries after Jesus lived. 
But Christ the King Sunday is a relatively new addition to the church year. It was instituted by Pope Pius XI in 1925 and was originally observed on the last Sunday of October. In 1970, it was moved to the last Sunday of the liturgical year, just before we begin a new year with the season of Advent. Christ the King Sunday is celebrated now not only by the Roman Catholic Church, but by the Anglican Church and most mainline Protestant denominations. Christ the King, or the Reign of Christ Sunday, crowns the liturgical year, so to speak. We finish the church year by remembering and celebrating the sovereignty of Christ, by proclaiming that Christ does indeed rule over all, and by reaffirming that one day Christ's reign will be complete. With so much turmoil, strife, and uncertainty in our country and our world, this reminder of Christ's sovereignty is timely. We need the reminder that what we are living through now is not what God envisions for us and is not the final word. We also need the reminder that Christ is a different kind of king than those who hold worldly power. And Christ calls us to live by a different standard as we follow him. Now let's go back to Luke's account of Jesus on the cross. Jesus was not the king first century Judaism was expecting or hoping for. The inscription over him mockingly says, This is the king of the Jews. How can this be anyone's king? Dying such an ignominious, cruel, torturous death. Crucifixion was a form of execution for the worst of criminals, those who had committed heinous crimes or were enemies of the state. Christ, the King who rules over all, suffered the lowliest, most humiliating form of death. This tells us exactly what kind of king Christ is, one who suffers the worst humanity can offer not one who charges in and conquers his enemies in battle. As New Testament scholar Joel Green writes, the crucifixion seals the identity of Jesus as the Messiah and King who accomplishes the divine purpose precisely as the suffering one. Hence the portrait of Christ the King on the cover of today's bulletin. Jesus becomes king through his suffering and death. As the artist wrote, in my painting, we see that Christ the king received the crown of heaven because he wore the thorns of death on earth. Remarkably, one of the criminals hanging next to him is the one who sees Jesus for the king he is saying, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He knows they are both going to die. Jesus is not going to come down off that cross and save himself or the two hanging beside him. They are all going to die. Yet this man believes that Jesus is indeed a king coming into his kingdom through death. 
Jesus confirms his belief. Truly, I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. Jesus' realm is not in the far distant future. It starts today. It started that very day as they hung on the cross, facing death. In his ministry, Jesus told those who followed him and came to hear him, Today the scriptures are fulfilled in your midst. In bringing good news to the poor, proclaiming release to the captives, in restoring sight to the blind in all his healings, Jesus was proclaiming that the kingdom of God was present. If it is by the finger of God that I cast out demons, he told the crowds, then the kingdom of God has come to you. And again, when the Pharisees asked him when the kingdom of God was coming, he answered, the kingdom of God is among you. The kingdom of God is among us, wherever the work of Christ the King is being accomplished. Where people without food find a meal, where people with no home find shelter, where lives are saved and strangers welcomed, where the poor find opportunity and the oppressed are given their rights, where the lonely find company, where sinners receive forgiveness. That is where we find the reign of Christ among us. Christ's reign is not complete. The kingdom is not fulfilled, but it is very much present, and we are members of that realm here and now. In our Monday evening Bible study this fall, we've been reading New Testament scholar N.T. Wright's book, Simply Jesus. In it, he writes, Jesus didn't come to teach people how to get into heaven. The whole point of Jesus' public career was not to tell people that God was in heaven and that at death they could leave earth behind and go to be with him there. It was to tell them that God was now taking charge right here on earth, that they should pray for this to happen, that they should recognize in his own work the signs that it was happening indeed, and that when he completed his work, it would become reality. Wright continues, Jesus wasn't teaching his followers how to rise above the mess of this world. He was training them to be kingdom bringers. The Gospels are not about how Jesus turned out to be God. They are about how God became king on earth as in heaven. When we proclaim the sovereignty of Christ, It has everything to do with our lives and the life of our world here and now. Not just in the future, either after we die or when Christ's realm will be complete. Christ is king now. And if we proclaim that and follow him, it affects every aspect of our lives as individuals and as a church. Our passage from Colossians today says God has rescued us from the power of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. We are not just transported to that kingdom after we die. We have already been made a part of it. 
We are redeemed and forgiven for our lives here and now, not just for our lives after death. So what does it mean that Christ is king here on this broken earth, here and now, and not just in the glorious future? For that, we can turn back to our passage from the prophet Jeremiah which was probably written more than six centuries before Jesus walked the earth. Jeremiah wasn't writing specifically about Jesus. He hadn't a clue that the longed-for Messiah would be born as Jesus of Nazareth half a millennium or more after his death. But he did have a clear vision of the kind of king God would raise up for his people the kind of king the Messiah would be. In today's lesson, Jeremiah is speaking out against the rulers of Judah, not just the king, but all of those in power. The shepherds who, instead of minding and tending and protecting their flock, have scattered them and driven them away. They failed to tend them. To get a clearer picture of what is going on here, you need to go back and start reading at the beginning of this section, chapter 21, verse 11. I encourage you to go home and read through it. There, Jeremiah begins this part, saying, To the house of the king of Judah, hear the word of the Lord. And the prophet goes on through the rest of that chapter and the next to make it very clear what the rulers have and haven't done, and what they must do if they want to save their nation and their rule. Act with justice and righteousness, the prophet says, and deliver from the hand of the oppressor anyone who has been robbed, and do no wrong or violence to the alien, the orphan, and the widow, or shed innocent blood in this place. The failure of the rulers and leaders of Judah to act in righteousness is directly tied to the coming of the Messiah, or rather to the fact that the Messiah, the righteous king, has not come. Jeremiah says, if you will indeed obey this word, then through the gates of this house shall enter kings who sit on the throne of David. But if you will not heed these words, I swear by myself, says the Lord, that this house shall become a desolation. When the leaders do not live in righteousness and instead practice violence and oppression, then the Lord is not amongst them, and their house and nation will suffer. God tells them through the prophet that to do justice and righteousness, to treat the poor and needy well, is to know the Lord. The king and all the leaders have turned away from the Lord, and it proves to be their downfall. They are conquered by Babylon and taken into exile. Our passage for today, at the beginning of chapter 23, continues this section of Jeremiah. As I told the young people, a shepherd was a common image for a king in the ancient Near East. And Judah's kings and all its leaders have failed to be good shepherds. Woe to you shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, says the Lord. But God promises to raise up for the people a righteous king, 
one who will deal wisely and execute justice and righteousness in the land. In fact, this king will be so identified with God's righteousness that he will be called the Lord is our righteousness. In his commentary on Jeremiah, Patrick Miller, Old Testament professor emeritus at Princeton Seminary, writes, These texts are an indictment of any leader or ruler or of any ruling system that allows the rich and the powerful to exploit the labor and energy of the poor and the weak in order to enhance their own lifestyles. Miller continues, These texts equate the relationship to God with the maintenance of justice in the human community. There is no separation of the social and the spiritual. The willingness to ignore matters of justice while continuing to praise the Lord and worship is precisely the state of affairs that existed in late pre-exilic Judah. Have we learned anything in the millennia since God spoke to God's people through Jeremiah? Reading through this section of Jeremiah, the parallels, parallels between Judah then and our world now are striking. The prophet could be speaking to us. Both Jeremiah and Jesus make it clear that we cannot be in a right relationship with God if we are not working to right the wrongs of our society, if we are not working to treat the poor fairly and end oppression. To proclaim Christ as king means following him. It means being bringers of the kingdom, as N.T. Wright says. It means praying, thy kingdom come on earth as in heaven, and then working to make that a reality in as much as it is in our power to do so. Next Sunday, we move into the season of Advent, which is not just getting ready for Christmas. It is hoping, waiting, and living expectantly in anticipation of the fulfillment of Christ's reign, the coming of Christ in all his glory. As we celebrate the reign of Christ and anticipate his coming, may we take this time to reflect on what it means to live as members of Christ's realm. May we discern anew what it means to live according to the righteousness of God and as though the kingdom really is among us, as Jesus said. May we remember that we proclaim a king who wore a crown of thorns and came into his kingdom through suffering. We worship and serve a ruler who turns his back on worldly power and makes his reign known by serving others. May Christ's reign so be known in us as well. Amen.
are able, and let us together confess the faith of the Church using the Apostles' Creed as you find it printed in your bulletins. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please be seated. Let us join our hearts in prayer. Eternal God, your reign is one of justice and mercy, healing and wholeness. Yet we see and experience so much brokenness in our world and our lives. As we wait for the fulfillment of your reign, we pray for the needs of our world, our church, our neighbors, and ourselves. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for the leaders and people of every nation. Overthrow evil powers, right what is wrong, feed and satisfy those who thirst for justice, that all your children may freely enjoy the earth you have made. Uphold those who live in the midst of violence or war, and uplift those who live in extreme poverty and under oppression. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for the leaders of this nation as we live through these challenging days. May they seek the truth, govern with wisdom, and work for the good of all people. Guide us through this time of division and show us the way forward that we may heal all that is broken in our society. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for your church throughout the world. Inspire and empower us to be Christ's body, bringing healing, hope, and truth. We pray for Christians who suffer persecution, for our partners in ministry in Zimbabwe, and for our local mission partners here in this city. Together, may we faithfully serve the least of these and work for a world where everyone knows the fullness of life. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for all who are struggling or suffering from physical hardships, social isolation, or mental or emotional disease. We pray for those in the hospital or rehabilitation centers or recovering from serious illness. Robert Morton Heller, Marjorie Norris, Francis Dawson, Heather Tyndall Toth, Luis Rodriguez, and Francois Silachom. We pray for those who are homebound or in long-term care, remembering today Sally Jaggard, Clara Weber, and Jean Weinberg. Strengthen and give comfort to all of these and heal them through your grace. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for all who have recently lost one they love, the family and friends of Crescenciana Catalan, Gail Rumble, Norman Nebel, 
Jack McDonough, and Romel Seraldi. Give them comfort, peace, and the sure and certain hope of the resurrection. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Eternal God, you create us by your power and redeem us by your love. Guide and strengthen us by your spirit, that we may give ourselves in love and service to one another and to you. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Now in thanksgiving for all God's abundance, let let us offer our gifts and tithes.
Blessed are you who hunger for justice, for you shall be satisfied. Blessed are you who thirst for righteousness, for you will drink deeply from the cup of joy. Blessed are you who yearn for reconciliation, for you will find peace. Blessed are we, for Christ calls us to his table, where there is room for everyone and plenty for all. There is indeed room for all at the Lord's table, and all are welcome, regardless of age or church affiliation. Whether you have been here your whole life or this is your first time here, come and find strength for your journey and balm for your soul. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. Let us pray. It is truly right and our greatest joy to give you thanks and praise, Almighty God. You set Jesus Christ to rule over all things and made us servants in your kingdom through whom he reigns. By your spirit, you empower us to love the unloved, to make friends of enemies, and bring peace where there is conflict, promising at last to bring us to your eternal realm and welcome us into your everlasting joy. Therefore, we praise you, joining our voices with those of angels, archangels, and all the faithful of every time and place who forever sing to the glory of your name. Holy, almighty, and merciful God, your steadfast love endures forever. You fashioned this world in love and govern all the earth with grace and peace. Nations and rulers rise and fall, but your reign is for all time, and your mercy is without end. In love, you made us to love and serve you. When we turned from you and kneeled before gods of our own making, You spoke through prophets to bring us back to your ways. In the fullness of time, you gave us your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Born as King in David's line, he lived with the lowly and cared for the least of your children. His power was revealed in weakness, his majesty and mercy. His earthly throne was a cross on which to die. Even there, his arms stretched out to embrace friends and foes in love. From the grave you raised him to your right hand where he rules over all creation. Obedient to Christ's command, we take from your creation this bread and this wine to remember his faithful life, to give thanks for his saving death, to celebrate and experience his life-giving presence in us now, even as we await the day of his coming to make all things new. Therefore we proclaim the mystery of faith. 
God, your Holy Spirit, upon us and upon these, your gifts of bread and wine, that they may be for us the body and blood of Christ. In this communion, make us one with Christ and one with all who share this meal, that so united we may bear Christ faithfully from this place into the world. Through Christ, with Christ, in Christ, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all honor and glory are yours, almighty God, now and forever. Amen. As our Savior taught, so now we pray. On the night of his arrest, the Lord Jesus took bread. Having given thanks to God, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat, this is my body given for you. Do this as my remembrance. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, said, This cup is the new covenant, sealed in my blood, poured out for you for the forgiveness of sin. Do this as often as you drink it, as my remembrance. The Apostle Paul tells us that every time we eat this bread and share this cup, we proclaim the saving death of our risen Lord until he comes again. These are holy things to make us holy, the gifts of God for the people of God. Let us keep the feast.
Let us pray. Gracious God, we give you thanks for the mystery of word and sacrament, through which you have given us your Son afresh this day. Grant that we may go from this place as bearers of your Spirit to give ourselves to others in the name of Jesus Christ. Even so, Lord Jesus, quickly come. Amen. To what is good. Return no one evil for evil, but overcome evil with good. Strengthen the faint-hearted, support the weak, help the suffering, serve the poor, honor all of life. Love and serve the Lord rejoicing in the power of the Holy Spirit. And may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion and fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all. Amen. Amen.